Buenos dias, Orchard Church. How are you today? Good. So, are you ready for your new word in Spanish? Remember, every time that pastor does let me preach, I'm going to teach you a new word in Spanish. Okay? What was the last one? Chido. What does it mean? Cool. Right? Chido was cool. Okay. The new word for today is this one. Orally. Everybody says orally. Orally. And this word means everything. It's better than no manches. Look at, look at that. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. You can say orally if you want to say somebody, I am agree with you. You can say orally if you want to say, come on, hey, orally. Uh, bring it on, orally. You want to say yes? You want to drink a coffee with me? Orally. That's yes. Okay. Hurry up. Do you remember Speedy Gonzalez? Yeah? Andale, andale, yeah? Forget andale, andale. Okay? Forget Speedy Gonzalez. It's not going to be andale, andale anymore. It's going to be orale. Hey, hurry up. Orale. That's amazing. Orale. Orale. That's amazing. I'm flabbergasted. Orale. Wow. There you go. Orale. Okay. Orale. It's your turn. Hey, orale. It's your turn. Uh, go ahead. Orale. I am waiting for you. Orale. And watch it. If you are walking in the downtown and somebody pushes you, you can say, hey, orale. Something like that. Okay? So you can use this word for everything, right? Orale. So we have something new for the students in Orchard Church, and it's called Fuel United. Every first Wednesday of the month, every first Wednesday of the month, we're gonna have high schoolers and middle schoolers together in the ministry center, okay? Every first Wednesday of the month at, at, at 6.30, we're gonna have Fuel United. It's gonna be amazing. We're gonna have free pizza, we're gonna have games, we're gonna have prizes, we're gonna have uh, the whole band playing worship music, so it's gonna be cool. So please don't miss this. It's gonna be this Wednesday at 6.30, right, in our ministry center. Are you ready to, to hear some news about Orchard Latino? Yeah, orale, yeah, here we go, yeah. <laughs> Last week, we had 39 people in Orchard Latino. It was amazing. Last night, Last night we had 33, so I think we are going to the right direction. Please uh, keep praying for that, and thank you for being praying for this ministry. It, it's, it's awesome to, be, uh, to see all these people being rich for Jesus Christ. So today we are continuing our summer series called Proverbs, Insights from a Wise Guy. I can say it like, like Laura. Proverbs, insights from a wise guy, right? <laughs> so we will be concluding this with two-week mini-series called Popular Scenes from Proverbs. Popular Scenes from Proverbs. And I don't know why they choose me to start with this. <laughs> with this subject about scene. I don't know if they think that I am so, uh, what do you say that? Very... Uh, Nah, I can find expert. I don't know if they, can, if they think that I am expert in this subject about sin, 
Or maybe they think that I am very holy to preach this about sin, so it can be whatever. But the truth is this one. The Bible says that everyone is a sinner, right? Everyone is a sinner, and we deal with sin every day. So I think this subject is so important for everyone to hear. The Bible says nobody is righteous, not even one. Nobody is righteous, not even one. So how many sinners do we have today here this morning? Wow. Wow, who are you guys? <laughs> That's fine. I mean, we are not, uh, uh, we need to recognize that we are sinners every day. Sin, the sin is present every day in our lives. Some, somebody said like this, we can't change what we don't acknowledge. We can't change what we don't acknowledge. And, and you know what? We don't like to talk about sin anymore. In the churches today, don't talk about sin. They don't want to offend their people. They prefer to say something like, well, we don't sin. We just have some issues, right? They prefer to say something like, we, you, you don't need to repent. You need a therapy. We don't talk about sexual immorality. We talk about alternative lifestyle. Maybe that sounds better, right? So why do we need to talk about sin in the church? Because there is only one problem between God and human race. And that problem is sin. And you don't want to be uh, in problem with God. So first of all, we need to define what is sin. Okay? We need to define what is sin. And this is in your notes. Sin is a failure to conform to the world and will of God. Sin is a failure to conform to the word and will of God. And the Greek word for this, for this word sin is this one, hamartano. Everybody says hamartano. hamartano. Spanish sounds better, right, than Greek? <laughs> hamartano. And that means to miss a mark, to miss a mark. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, it says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many? All. all. For all have sinned and fall, short, uh, and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5, 12 says this, When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. This is a very important subject today. Why? Because God hates sin. God hates sin. Why? Because sin destroyed his most beautiful creation. Sin destroyed the human race. Sin brings death. So I don't know in your Bible, but in my Bible it says that God is good, God is faithful, God is merciful, right? But I don't know if you have noticed this, but the Bible doesn't say that God is good, good, good. Or, or God is faithful, faithful, faithful. Or God is merciful, 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 right? But the Bible says that God is holy, holy, holy. Why? Because he can't look at sin. He hates sin. And you know what? The Bible says that we need to be holy as he is holy. And that has to be my prayer every day. God, please Help me. Help me to hate sin as much as you hate it. I want to be like you, God. 
I want to be like you. Do you remember um, Noah's Ark? The story when God destroyed all human race with water because of, the, of their sin? Do you remember that story? When we think about Noah's Ark, we always think, we always picture an image of an angry God, right? Right? God's so angry, destroying people. But you know what? It wasn't like this. It was so hard for God to make that decision because God loves us. Genesis chapter 6 says this, The Lord observed the stand of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was constantly and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. And then it says what? It broke his heart. It broke his heart. And you know what? I don't want to broke. I, I don't want to break God's heart every day with my sin. I want to be clean for my Lord. I want to be clean for my God. I want to be clean for my Savior, because He gave everything for me. I want to be clean for Him. I don't want to break His heart every day. So let's look at these popular scenes of Proverbs. And as we are looking at these popular scenes, we need to be praying, God, clean my heart. Make me pure for you. So we are going to start with this one. Are you ready? Are you sure? Okay, let me tell you this. I'm just going to read the word of God. Okay? So don't be mad with me. I don't want to be stoned today. All right? In fact, you know what? I want to show you a video. Check this out. <laughs> he fell one time in that kitchen back then when I first came over. Sometimes to see people like this is funny, right? But this is so sad. It's so sad to see people being controlled by alcohol like this. Let me read you some facts about alcohol abuse. Nearly 2.5 million deaths are caused by alcohol. In rape cases, more than half of rapists have been drinking. Around half of all violent crimes are linked to alcohol misuse. Alcohol misuse is a factor in 30% of suicides every year. Marriage with alcohol problems are twice as likely to end in divorce. These are very sad facts about alcohol. So today, we're going to talk about this first popular scene, drunkenness. Everyone says drunkenness. 
drunkenness. Now, I know that this is a very controversial subject today, right? There are a lot of opinions about Christians and alcohol. Don't leave. Don't leave yet, please. Don't leave. And all of them are very good opinions with very good intentions. But today, you don't want to hear my opinion. You, know, you don't want to hear my thoughts about this subject. One of our values that we have as a church is what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? And today, we're going to find answers in the Bible. Today, we're going to look at the Bible to find biblical answers about this subject. So the first thing that we need to consider is this one. God doesn't condemn alcohol. God doesn't condemn alcohol. The word wine is mentioned 150 times in the Old Testament. And I know some, of, uh, some people say something like, well, the wine in the Bible was not the same that, than wine of today, right? Uh, and it's, it's, it's right. The Bible of the Old Testament, it wasn't the same. But you know what? They were so happy and so wasted when they drank it. So maybe it wasn't the same, but it, was, it had the same effect in them. So listen to this. The people of Israel considered wine a gift from God. The people of Israel considered wine a gift from God. Let's read Psalms. Psalms chapter 104. And it says this. You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for people to use. You allow them to produce food from the air. And then what's it, what it says? Wine to make them glad. Amen? Wine to, to make them glad. Olive oil to soothe their skin and bread to give them strength. Next verse, uh, Genesis chapter 27, verse 28 says this. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of what? Grain and wine. Plenty of grain and wine. So wine, like meat, was not the everyday drink in the table. It wasn't like milk or water. It was usually served on special festive occasions. The use of wine was not forbidden, except in the case of priests and the Nazarites. Wine itself wasn't considered sinful. It's like, like money. It's, it, it, it is sin to have money? No, right? But if you love money, now, that's a sin. It's like sex. Sex is not a sin. God created sex to enjoy it with your spouse. But if you have sex before you are married, now it's a sin. Or if you have sex with somebody that is not with your spouse, now is a sin. So the problem was not alcohol. The problem was, and the problem is, to be controlled by alcohol. The problem is to be controlled by alcohol. And this takes us to the second point from today. God condemns drunkenness. God condemns drunkenness. Let's read Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. It says, you got it? It says like this, wine is a mocker. A strong drink is a ruler. And whoever is what? 
led astray. Led astray by it is not wise. So the key word here is led astray. Led astray. And, and this word comes from the Hebrew shagah. Shagah. That means to swerve and to be intoxicated. To swerve and to be <laughs> intoxicated. And this is the first of several passages in Proverbs that warn against what we call today alcohol abuse. Those who are controlled by wine can't be wise. Those who can't just have one, they just keep going and going and going. Shakespeare said like this, all that men would put an enemy in their mouths to steal away what? Their brains. Like the video that we saw, right? To steal away their brains. A man once said, oh boy, this is a joke. I'm not very good telling jokes in English. So please, just laugh at the end, okay? <clears throat> one man one once said, I drink vodka, so you can't smell it on my bread. And his friend told him, well, you know what? You should switch for something they can't smell. Because it's better that people think that you are drunk than you're an idiot. Oh. So, yeah, it was good? Because nobody laughed last night in the Spanish service. So I, I didn't know that, so you got it. <laughs> the consequences of alcohol abuse can be fatal. One day, British airliner made an emergency landing to a drunk passenger. He was fighting with his girlfriend, and he was fighting with other passengers. At the end, he had to pay $3,000 for emergency landing and jet fuel. So those were an expensive drinks, right? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 23. Proverbs chapter 23. Verse 29. It says like this. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? So we are talking here about somebody that is totally wasted, right? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last, it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will other perverse things. All the guys that are drunk always say like this, right? Oh, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't want to say that, right? Forgive me, please. Yes, you will be like one who lays down in the midst of the sea, or like one who lies at the top of the mast, saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. But the next day, you feel it, right? The hangover? When shall I wake that I may seek another drink? This is the most vivid description of the, consequence, of the consequences of drunkenness in the Bible. And you know what? I had a, a very bad experience with alcohol in my whole family. My, my grandfather uh, was killed when my dad was three years old. He was all drunk. Uh, he was into a fight, and they killed him outside of the bar. My other grandfather 
my mom's dad, he was drunk almost every weekend. And every time he was drunk, he took girls to his house in front of my grandmother. It was so sad. My dad, almost every week, was drunk. Almost every weekend. My dad was a military, so he had guns in the house. And every time, every time he, he was drunk, he wanted to kill everybody. So for me and my brothers, it was a nightmare. We never were all excited about my dad coming home. We always were like, oh, my dad is coming home again. Maybe he's gonna be drunk. Praise God, my dad is doing very good today. He's, today he's like two or three years without alcohol now. He's going to a church and he's doing very, very good now. Praise God for that. But when you are controlled by wine, it is a nightmare, not just for you, but for everyone else around you. Now, let's look very quickly at the New Testament, okay? And we will see how God clearly warns Christian of the sin of drunkenness. Okay, Romans chapter 13, verse 13 says like this, let us walk properly as in the day, not in robbery and what? Drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Next one is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be what? Sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get what? Drunk are drunk, are, are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober. And I have one more, Galatians. Chapter 5, verse 19 says like this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like this. So drunkenness, is clearly a sin and should be avoided in the Christian life. So let me ask you this question. Is it a, a sin to drink any alcohol? No. I almost bring a beer to be drinking while I am preaching. <laughs> Just to show you that th there's no problem with that. But then I remember that I had to preach three times. So. <laughs> At the end of the third service, I will be all wasted, maybe preaching in Spanish, I don't know. So, but, is it a sin to be drunk? Yes. Yes, it's a sin to be drunk. Now, maybe you are, you are here, and you are hearing this, and you think something like, I don't have any problems with alcohol. I don't drink any alcohol. Maybe this message is not for me. Okay, let me ask you something. Is there something in your life that is controlling you? Is there something in your life that is controlling you? Because not only can you be drunk from wine, you can be also drunk on any other thing. And that's my third point. I can get drunk on anything. I can get drunk 
on anything? Is there something in your life that is controlling you? When we look at the New Testament, the list of all sins are very long, right? And drunkenness is just one in the midst of many sins. Let's look again, Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, it says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, adverse of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and others sins like this. So the point here is not if you drink wine or not. The point here is if you are controlled by wine. But, but not just wine. You can be controlled by all these sins that we see in this list. Are you controlled by hostility? Are you controlled by jealousy? Are you controlled by anger? And you know what? As a Christian, you don't want to be controlled by sin. You don't want to be controlled by sin. You want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. If you know the truth, if you know Jesus Christ, you have to be free. You have to be free. You have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says this. Those who are dominated by what? By the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by who? By the Holy Spirit, think about things that pleasure the Spirit. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says like this. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with spirit. So what does this passage mean? When you see that somebody is drunk, you can see it, right, like this. By the way he talks, by the way he walks, by the way he drives, or she, right? And you can say something like, wow, this guy is so drunk, he's being controlled by, by wine. So the same way, is when you are controlled by the Holy Spirit. The people can see when you are controlled by the Holy Spirit, by the way you talk, by the way you think, by the way you make decisions. And people can say something like, wow, this guy is different. This guy is controlled by the Holy Spirit. This guy is controlled by God. Amen? So, what does people see in us when we are controlled by, by God? Galatians chapter, chapter 5, 22 says like this, but the Holy Spirit produced this kind of fruit in our lives, and they can see our love, joy, peace, passion, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So, what's the cure? What is the cure for drunkenness? And remember, when we are talking about drunkenness, we are talking about everything that is controlling you. What is the cure? What is the cure? Because I want to be controlled by God. How can I stop being controlled by my sins and start being controlled by God? The first one is confession. Confession. Now, now why do I need to confess my sins to God? Because he doesn't know what are my sins? No, obviously he knows. 
When I am confessing my sins to God, I am telling him, God, I am agreeing with you. This is bad. I'm doing bad. This is a sin. I am agreeing with you that this is a sin. Please, God, forgive me. Forgive me about my sins. First John chapter 1, verse 9 says this, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. And this is a beautiful promise. Because I can confess my sins to God today. And he will forgive me. He will clean, and he will clean me, cleanse me. Amen? Second, second thing. What do I need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit? I need repentance. Repentance. The word repentance means to walk in the opposite direction. If I was walking this side in my sins, and I confess my sins to God, then I need to change my way. Because sometimes we just confess our sins and we keep walking in the same direction, right? I need to confess my sins, but then I need to have repentance in my life. I need to walk in the opposite direction, and that's repentance. Let's, let's go to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, it says like this. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever, what? Confess. That's the first step. But whoever confess and then and forsakes them. Not just confess your sin. You have to turn to the opposite way. Um, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Will have mercy. So, what's the cure for drunkenness? Confess my sins. Repentance. And the third one is this. Scripture. Scripture. The Word of God. The Word of God. To get drunk, and be controlled by alcohol, I need to fill my body with alcohol, right? To be controlled by other sins, I need to fill my mind or my heart with bad things. So if I want to be controlled by God, I need to be filled with his word and his presence. Spending time every day listening at his words. Spending time with him in prayer. I need to fill my heart. I need to fill my mind with his word. As you know, I had very serious problems with, with drugs too many years ago. So when I started to follow Jesus Christ, my disciple, or Adolfo, you know Adolfo, right? Or missionary in Mexico. His first homework for me was this. You have to read 30 chapters of the Bible. I'm just so thankful for this guy because he, he really did a, a good job with me. And he told me, you, you need to read this book. You need to read 30 chapters of the Bible every day because I was destroyed. My mind was dirty. My heart wasn't dirty. 
I needed to be cleaned by God, by his word. And I was reading 30 chapters of the Bible every day. And I did not understand anything about the Bible. <laughs> but you know what? The goal was not to understand everything. The goal was to fill my mind with his word. That he could clean my mind with his word. And you know what? He did it. God did it. And God kept cleaning my heart, cleaning my mind with his word. But I need to be filled with his word. I need to be spending time with him in, in his word, in prayer. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 say, says like this, Let the Spirit renew your what? Your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16 says like this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you what? Richly in all wisdom. The word of God, the word of Christ is powerful. He created the world with his word. He created the, the, the whole universe with his word. And, and he can create today a new heart for you if you want. If you confess your sins to him, if, if you decide to, re, to, to repent of your sins and spending time with him in his word, he can create a new heart for you today. His heart, I, I don't want to break his heart every day with my sins. I want to be clean for my God. I want to be clean for my Savior. He created me to bring him glory with my life. And today, I want to be controlled by God. I want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Do you? Do you want to be controlled by God? Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you because we know that you are a God that forgives every time. Today, we want you to cleanse us with your word and your power. If God spoke to your life this morning, don't leave this place as the same person. If you can recognize something in your life that is controlling you, just confess it to God. And start today to have a real relationship with God through his word and prayer. He can give you a new heart today. Is there somebody here that wants to pray to God and tell him, God, please transform my heart with your word. Holy Spirit, please control my life. Just raise your hand. I want to pray, I want to pray for you. And I am raising my hand too because I need to be controlled by God every day. Every day. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for these people who are making decisions this morning. Please help us to have a real relationship with you every day. Help us to fill our lives with your words every day so your words can control our hearts and be holy for you. If you are here for the first time, and this is the first time you have heard the word of God, I would like to invite you to make a decision for Jesus Christ today. The Bible says that we have all sinned and we are all separated from God. Without Jesus Christ, we are all dead in our own sins and we have to pay for those sins. 
But God sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us and pay for our sins. He rose again on the third day, and he wants to reign in your life today and give you eternal life. If, we, if you want to make a decision for Jesus Christ this morning, you can pray with your own words, something like this. Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I know that my sins separate me from you, Lord. I believe with all my heart that you came to this earth, died for my sins, and rose again on the third day. And on this morning, I want you to come to my life and give me eternal life. I accept you as my one and only Lord and Savior. With eyes closed and heads bowed, I would like to know if, someone, if, if somebody prayed this prayer for the very first time. Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Somebody did this prayer for the very first time? Okay, let's pray. I see your hand. Thank you. God, thank you for these people who have just made a decision for your son, Jesus Christ. Help them to know you every day through your word and help them to have a real relationship with you and grow every day spiritually. In Jesus' name, we are praying. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate Jesus' decision for Christ today? Uh, don't you just appreciate Marcial and his heart? Then you do a great job. Man. I just love that guy and love that him and his family are part of our team here. Um, if you did make a decision for Christ, please let us know about that on your connection card. Drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by so we can continue to pray for you and minister to you. We're super excited about our, our Spanish ministry of Orchard Church, and Marcial's doing a great job leading that. Um, it's beginning to grow little by little. We're getting new people every week. So if you have any family members, friends, coworkers, neighbors that would prefer a Spanish-speaking service, everything is a Spanish the music, the message, everything, be sure to invite them. It's on Saturday nights at our ministry center. Some people have asked, well, is it different than what we do on Sunday? It's the exact same message. So I can never complain again about me having to speak three times on Sunday because Marcial spoke last night and then three times a day, four times, and in two different languages. So he's like the most talented guy on our team, I think. But... Um, yeah, invite them to come to that, where we really want to see that grow and, and just reach all the many Spanish-speaking people in, in our community, and so invite them to come uh, to that. I know Marcial felt like we were picking on him a little bit because I asked him to speak today and kick off our final two weeks in Proverbs called Popular Sins, but uh, he only had to deal with one sin today, and I'm going to wrap up Proverbs next week. I'll be speaking, and I'm dealing with three sins, so what does that tell you about your pastor? He got one. I've got three. And you don't want to miss next week as we wrap up our summer series in Proverbs and we talk about popular sins from Proverbs because these three sins we're going to look at next week, we all deal with almost every single day we face the temptation of these three, these three sins. They're not quite as obvious as the one we talked about today, but we all deal with them. And so you'll be encouraged and challenged uh, next week as we wrap that up. One of the reasons I asked Marcial to speak today is because I was out of town most of last week. I was in Boston. 
I got invited to go to Boston where there were several uh, young church planters there. I was the older church planter there. And there were guys that had planted churches in the last 10 to 12 years here in the United States. And we were there with some older pastors who were at the, nearing the end of their ministry. Some of them are actually retired. And they're really just trying to hand the baton to the next generation of, of pastors. And we did some strategic planning about church planting and how we could be more effective in our church planting efforts around the country. Um, I mean, I just got so pumped up. It was such a great time and a great meeting together. And it was awesome to hear the guys' stories as we went around the room. We shared how our churches got started and, and what God has done. And God's doing these amazing things through some dynamic church plants around the country. But one of the things that I promised the older pastors I would share with Orchard Church is every one of them, they came to me and they put their arm around me and they said, you know, Doug, I hope you understand that what God is doing in Denver, Colorado through Orchard Church is nothing short than a, of a miracle. I mean, it is an amazing miracle of God. What God is doing is he heard our story and how many people have accepted Christ, how many have been baptized. I was reminded again the other day, the average church in America baptizes seven people a year. We have about 12 to 15 people baptized every month here at Orchard Church. So can we just praise God for that? It's, it's easy sometimes when you're in the middle of something and you've been there the whole time to just, you know, take things for granted. You know what I mean? And just, just think, well, this is normal and this happens everywhere. And, and it doesn't. And so I promised them and I would tell you guys, Orchard Church, listen, we are a part of something huge. We are a part of something supernatural. We're a part of something God-sized. And we're getting ready to celebrate our 10th anniversary. Um, we haven't even given many of you the date, but go ahead and write it down now. September 20th. You do not want to miss September 20th. And we strategically planned it. There's no Broncos game that day. They play on Thursday night. We know our culture. We're smart, okay? We've learned the hard way. September 20th, we get to do something as a church we haven't got to do in six years, six or seven years. We get to have one unified service with all of our entire church. Not in this room, because we won't fit. So we are going to be meeting in the football stadium right here at Prairie View High School. We're going to fill up the entire stands. We're going to have an outside uh, worship set. We're going to hear testimonies, and we're going to celebrate our 10th anniversary. And I hope you guys are as excited as I am about that. Yeah, it's going to be great. But I just got to tell you guys, I believe that we're going to celebrate 10 years of all the amazing things that God is doing. But I believe that we're just getting started. I really, really believe that. And God is positioning this church and this community for generations to come to continue to reach many people in our community that don't know Christ. And the best is yet to come. And I'm as excited now as I've ever been to be a, a part of Orchard Church and everything that God is doing. And so I didn't get to preach this morning, so this is my mini message. And I'm a little pumped up. So, But I, I, we're excited about what God is doing and, and moving forward. And, and to plant churches. Uh, it was never our intention just to plant one church and see how big we could get one church church. God called us to be a church that reproduces churches that reproduce themselves. We want to plant churches that plant churches that plant churches. We've already planted Orchard Church of Erie four years ago out in Erie. Um, they're doing great. They're about to break the 200 barrier, so be praying for them. They meet at Erie High School. Um, we now started the Spanish ministry. And if I ask you guys to pray for something this week, will you pray for it? I'm going to share something with you guys, and I want you to be praying about this, um, because we've been praying and waiting for our next church planter that we can bring on our team as an intern for a couple of years, train them, and then send them out to plant the next Orchard Church. And we have a young man and his family right here in our community we've been talking to for about three weeks, 
And we really believe we're close uh, to God bringing us together and him joining our team and being our next church planter. So that's very exciting. So be praying for that this week. Would you do that for our church? And, and we just we, we both want to make sure we're in line with God's will and plan for him and, and for our church. And you say, why are we so excited about church planting? Because statistics tell us that church plants are 400% more evangelistically effective than churches that are 10 years old and older. And we want to be 400% more effective in reaching people for Christ. Amen? So we're going to keep planting churches that plant churches. So be praying for that. We're super excited about that, that opportunity. Um, before we close in a song of worship, and then, of course, worship through our giving, because giving is one of the highest forms of worship that we can have. And this is such a giving and generous church. Um, I just want to share a verse with you guys. I was reading the other day in uh, Exodus, and it when, was when Moses was called to build the first tabernacle, the place of worship. And, and this verse really jumped out at me about the heart of giving and worship. It said, and all whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved came and brought their sacred offerings to the Lord. Their hearts were stirred. You know, that's where giving starts, doesn't it? It starts in the heart. You know, the scripture says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Thank you for your heart of generosity, Orchard Church. You guys are making a difference in this community and around the world globally. So keep it up. And when we just ask that you would give as God moves your heart and his spirit leads you today. If you're a first-time guest, thanks for being our guest today. Hopefully fill out your guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. We're not interested in your money today, guest, but we are very interested in you. Amen, church? So let us know about that. If you can help us out by hosting a small group, we need more small group hosts. You can fill that out, dropping it in as well. That's my mini message for the day. That's all the time I have. Let's stand. Let's close in a song of worship. Worship through our giving. God bless you guys. We'll wrap up Proverbs next week. Thanks for coming.